you may have realized that being healthy feels different than it did in the past now that you're over 50. If you want to maximize your health potential but don't have time to read through overwhelming pages of Google links, this is the show for you. Welcome to Healthy Tips After 50. We love doing the research, finding solutions, talking to health experts, and learning what works and what doesn't. Now, your host. She spent the last 25 years dedicated to feeling her best and is here to share her best findings with you, Susan Rosen. Hello, this is your host, Susan Rosen, and welcome to this week's podcast on memory. I'm going to be talking about some common misconceptions about memory and also a few things that can help us to improve our memories. The first misconception about memory is that they are accurate, that your memories are accurate. Turns out that they are, that they are remarkably inaccurate. In fact, they're so inaccurate that each time we bring up the memory, it may be a little different. And that can be caused by how we're feeling at the moment in time, that we're remembering it, or the emotions that the memory brings up for us as we relate the memory to someone else. The thing I find most interesting about that is it explains why multiple eyewitnesses of an event will each tell a different story of what they say happened, showing that people are unreliable witnesses at best. In fact, some people have been found to not only misremember events, they remember specific details or even entire events that never happened. Even having a high confidence level in your memory or in that particular memory is not a good measure of its accuracy. On the other hand, repressed memories, especially in childhood, are not a usual phenomenon except of course in TV, movies, and books. Studies have found that people who have experienced early trauma in their lives are not likely to either repress it or forget it. The next misconception is the common belief that loss of memory is always a sign of dementia. As all of us older adults know, forgetting something or having memory lapses is quite common but it is actually more a result of age deterioration of the hippocampus region in your brain and has nothing to do with dementia. Another dementia-related misconception is that dementia or memory loss is an inherited condition. There are very few causes and they're very rare causes of dementia that are inherited, things like Huntington's disease. Mostly, though, it's just a factor of age. We can all help to prevent memory loss by exercising our brains, also known as challenging it and using it. Read books and join a book club so you can have people to talk to about what you read. Play cards or chess. Do some of the online brain training apps. I really like Brain HQ. Learn a new skill or a new language. Anything that gets you out of your comfort zone and challenges those little neurons in your brain to stay active. Speaking of neurons, another misconception, which I don't think is still that commonly accepted, is that you don't make new neurons as you age. That is not true. There are several areas in your brain where new brain cells are made even as you get into the later stages of life. In addition, 
New connections are also constantly being formed. That's what neuroplasticity is all about. And it occurs through our entire life and at a higher rate when we are doing things that stimulate our brains. Hence, challenge your brain. Those new connections also lead to a better memory and the slowing down of any, any neurogenerative conditions that you may have. This one's an interesting one. And that's that Alzheimer's manifests and progresses the same way in all cases and in all people. And actually, that's another misconception. Everyone has their own individual experience with Alzheimer's. The timelines are different, how it progresses, and what it affects are different. Not to mention the age that someone gets it, or should I say manifests, Alzheimer's is different. Actually, over 3% of people with Alzheimer's are under the age of 65, and some are as young as 30 years old. That's why it is so difficult for doctors to explain or forecast the disease and its progression in individual patients. A lot of people mistakenly think that memory loss is actually the first sign of Alzheimer's, but they're wrong. There are other things to watch for. Changes in judgment and decision-making start much earlier. Watch for someone being more anxious or irritable than usual, or if they're showing other personality changes. Something new they're looking at being involved with Alzheimer's are changes in a person's sense of smell. Very, very interesting. Another belief that most people have is that all cognitive decline affects our memory. And that also isn't true. There are some degenerative brain conditions that have no effect on memory. Vascular impairment affects what's called the executive function. And that means, quote, the ability to coordinate and orchestrate multiple functions to achieve big picture tasks, unquote. And it often has little to no memory issues associated with it. And frontotemporal dementia changes behavior and affects people's language, but usually has little or no memory issues. Okay, so let's change gears here a little bit and talk about exercise in your memory. Not surprisingly, the physical exercise that you do to keep your heart healthy is the same as the ones that will help to keep your brain healthy. They are both dependent on blood flow. There's your vascular system again. Increased blood flow means increased oxygen, decreased inflammation, and a stronger overall vascular system. See, it's all related and dependent on each other. Something else that has been found is that challenging sports where you have to use coordination complex movements, and interaction with others provided the best boosts, say that again, provided the best boosts on memory tests. Longer time duration of exercise is as important for your cognitive health as it is for your physical health. So they're talking about exercises like basketball, tennis, running, bicycling, and swimming. Strength training is also good for strengthening your brain and memory, but you need to do it along with aerobic exercises to get the biggest bang for your time. So on to a few other myths about our brains and memories. There is a limit to how much information our brain and memory can hold, but at this point, that limit is still 
way, way beyond anyone's reach. It's thought that it is somewhere around a million gigabytes. Our computers don't even hold that much. The ones that hold one terabyte, that's only 1,000 gigabytes. So compare that to a million and you can get some idea of how powerful our brains really are. For instance, at a memory competition a couple of years ago, the record was set for holding and repeating out loud a list of digits that had over 450 digits in it. My God, that is absolutely scary to me. There was also a new study that was published in Current Biology recently that looked at people's memory-based decisions when they were under stress. What they found was that when people are stressed, they are not able to rely on the thinking skills that form the base of both our memories and our what they call goal-directed behavior, which helps us to make efficient or innovative decisions. So to come up with new and different and better ways to accomplish things. The study was conducted using virtual reality headsets. Isn't that interesting? Where they simulated being in a town and the people who they were studying went around the town and explored it. And they were told to travel to a particular destination. One group was given an added stressor and the other wasn't. The group with the added stress were less likely to take shortcuts or plan a better route. While the group without the stress found very interesting and novel shortcuts and figured out the most efficient routes. So that tells us that when you're trying to innovatively solve problems, eliminate as many major stressors in your life as you can at that time. And of course, don't forget to breathe. We all do that. And when we get stressed, we all tend to start taking shorter breaths or we hold our breath. And that's not good for your brain either because your brain needs that uh, oxygen. So take a deep breath and you'll feel your whole body, including your brain, relax and start working better. On a related but different note, I'll also mention that when you are with someone who does have memory loss and they're saying or remembering something that you know is incorrect, don't cut them off and try and correct them. It's not abnormal, and we've all done it, to jump in and tell them what actually happened or the right word to use or who's in a picture, but don't. Correcting them can actually create a bigger problem because they can get confused embarrassed or agitated about it. And the emotional trauma from that can cause more unneeded stress to their brain and in their lives. If they ask you a specific question about some memory or a word they can't remember, you can answer or you can evade the whole subject depending on the situation and who it is. You'll know best when the situation comes up. Just don't say anything unless you are specifically asked and sometimes not even then. As the last part of our discussion of memory, I wanted to remind you that eating more fish and vegetables can really help to protect your memory. In particular, the Mediterranean diet, which you know is one of my favorites, is a very good way of eating to support your memory and of course your brain and the rest of your body. 
Lots of vegetables, fish, whole fruits, olive oil, nuts, grains, and legumes, which are beans. Little or no red meat, and only one glass of red wine a day if you have the need to drink. And I personally do like my glass of red wine, although I don't have it every day. The results of a 10-year study of people on the Mediterranean diet showed that those who adhered the closest to the diet guidelines were found to have the lowest risk of cognitive impairment. So if you want to make the transition yourself, there are a lot of good articles and books available out there to help you do it with recipes and daily meal plans. I'll add a couple of books I especially like into the show notes, and you can also find them on the resources page at my website, healthytipsafter50.com. So I hope you got some good information today. Information that you can use to help your brain and memory or perhaps a friend or a family member. Next week, I'm hoping to have another interesting interview with a healthy eating expert and coach. And I'm really looking forward to bringing that to you. And also wanted to remind you that if you're having any feelings of overwhelm or worry or uncertainty, Due to the resurgence of COVID-19, please get in touch and I can help you to find more balance and resilience in your life. I know that it always helps to have somebody to talk to. And as always, I will remind you that I am not a doctor and the information in this podcast is not meant to be medical advice. If you are having medical issues, please call your own doctor or go to your local emergency facility for help. And I look forward to talking to all of you again next week. This has been Healthy Tips After 50 with Susan Rosen. To stay on the cutting edge of the most effective health strategies, subscribe to this podcast and let us know what you thought of the show with a comment or like on iTunes. Visit healthytipsafter50.com for this episode's show notes, more resources, and free offers.